Good morning, everyone. My name is Jeremy Kitchen. I'm the executive director here at Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. We are joined by our fearless leader, President and CEO of TFR, Tim Harden. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. We are also joined once again by special guest Vance Ginn, PhD economist, president of Ginn Economic Consulting. Good morning, Vance. Um, okay, so we'll go ahead and get started. Obviously, uh, we are well into the legislative session by this point. Um, I think today is day 98 of the 140-day legislative session. Um, and so we're, we're rearing and gearing, if you will. Uh, we've got priorities kind of moving through the legislative process. Um, I think it's important maybe to start off today's uh, today's talk with kind of discussing on where, where the budget is at, right? So the, the proposed state budget for the next biennium, that means fiscal years 2024 and 2025, um, has already, of course, passed the House. It passed the House not last week, but the week before. Um, and it has already quickly made its way through the Senate legislative process and has already been put on the Senate intent calendar, where it's widely expected uh, that it will be uh, uh, it'll be considered or taken up uh, this week. And so uh, let's start off with kind of what our expectations are um, there. Um, we'll start with you, Tim, uh, just kind of broadly speaking, where everything's at. And then as Vance reconnects, um, we'll uh, we'll go to him. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Vance get into the kind of the nitty gritty of what's going on in the Senate. I think from our perspective, uh, the big, you know, elephant in the room is is property tax relief, right? And uh, we had Governor Patrick come out last week and basically say he's not going to uh, pass HB two uh, because appraisal caps don't work. Uh, I know they've adjusted numbers over in the Senate in that budget. I'll let Vance talk about that. And so I think, you know, with in a year with a thirty, you know, three billion dollar surplus. Um, it looks as though we've set up this, you know, this fight that's going to involve how much is allocated in the budget of how much property tax relief is going to be given to Texas taxpayers. And the fact that now both chambers are kind of pitted against each other uh, and we're going to see exactly what the Senate does uh, when they deal with the budget and how much is allocated in that rider. Um, I think there's a very real possibility that Texans get nothing <laughs> this go round, uh, and we might have to go to a special session or something like that. And so, as far as the budget is concerned, uh, I think that's that's my how much of that surplus is going to be given back to taxpayers, uh, and we're going to see that in the budget. Vance, I'm not sure if uh, if you got those the issues worked out or not, but if you have, yeah, maybe give kind of respond to Tim there if, uh, from what you heard, and then maybe kind of a thirty thousand foot view on where the Senate version of the budget that's already passed the House is. Yeah, Jeremy, I'm here. Um, yeah, so I think you know Tim is right. I think that the Texas House or Texas Senate is spending too much, and whenever we've done a breakdown of the overall budget, which you know, measuring apples to apples here, not um, spending what they spent in 2022-23 um, compared to what's appropriated 24-25. That's what the Legislative Budget Board does, which is more of an apples to, you know, oranges or something else <laughs> sort of comparison that's not really uh, a consistent comparison. When you measure appropriations to appropriations, you have a 16.3% increase in the total budget, which is a $43.2 billion increase in the amount of appropriation. So it's just a massive amount of increase in the size of the budget. And if you exclude federal funds and just look at state funds, the increase is 25.4%. So that's $42 billion of the $43 billion. So it's not much of federal fund. They can't blame it on federal funding in this case. It's really on the state. General revenue is up 18.6%. 18%. 
um, and so forth. And so this is a massive increase in the budget. Now, some of that is that property tax relief um, that, that, that Tim mentioned and that you were talking about of, of $15.1 They actually went down in the total amount that they're providing for old tax relief of $5.3 That stayed the same. But the new relief went down from $11.2 billion to 9.8. So you take 9.8, you add 5.3. That's where they're putting out this number of $15.1 billion. Um, but, you know, and so it's even less tax relief than what they said before, which means about a third, even less than a third of the surplus of $33 billion is going towards property tax relief. And you remember, you know, the Senate has a combination of things between SB3 SB4, SB5, which is the homestead $100,000 for those that are disabled and over 65. They have a small amount of compression of about 6.75%. And then there's some business personal property tax relief that's in there as well. Um, and so what I think they're doing in the Senate, you know, they're spending a lot more than the House. The appropriations is, is higher than what it was in the House. Um, and a part of this in the Senate is this $10 billion for um, subsidizing natural gas plants, uh, but a number of other things that seem like bad policy to me. And so I'm hopeful is, is that Tim said, is that, you know, we have more money that goes towards property tax relief. You know, we need up to $20 billion, at least $20 billion for there to be a record. And that should be a new property tax relief. If you go all the way back to 0809, $14.2 billion, adjust that for inflation, that's $20.3 billion. And so that's really what we need right now. Um, and even if you adjust this for population growth plus inflation and say you exclude the amount of property tax relief at 22, 23, at 24, 25, um, it's up 19.4%. So it's well above population growth and inflation of 16%. So I don't even think that this is a conservative budget either. It's just all around, it's just too much spending, too much appropriations, and, not, and very little in property tax relief. You know, Vance, I, I, what I hear you saying, and of course, we talked about um, these kind of narratives, you know, over the last few weeks, really, is that, you know, when we covered the House version of the budget, as we, we, we had a live stream, right, we talked kind of incessantly about the fact that the budget represents government growing, right? It's growing way beyond its means, as you just said, right, uh, way beyond what we would consider maybe conservative. And then you have the Senate version of this budget that's already passed the House, and it seems like they're growing it even more, albeit by a little, right? But even more than what the House did. And then we have less money that they're trying to isolate for, for property tax relief. Now, obviously, you indicated, right, that, that some of that would go towards um, kind of the, the efforts, if you will, by investing in these natural gas power plants. Um, I think uh, uh, last I heard today, actually, I was listening to um, kind of a summary of, of what that plan is. And it seems like that's going to be a kind of two tiered thing where there's kind of a first tranche of money uh, to get it up and started. And then there's a second tranche of money that's expected sometime in the next few years uh, that they'll have to allocate it, which would be even more than the 10 billion you talked about uh, to, to try to get kind of everything else online. Um, I say all that not because we don't think, you know, that, you know, rectifying the power grid in the state might not be important. Uh, but, you know, I think the big takeaway is uh, when we talk to taxpayers, right, as we travel around the state, certainly they're talking about the issues when it comes to the grid and everything else. But man, by and large, people are feeling the property tax issue and the, and the, the ever-growing burden. And so it is certainly worry, worrisome to y'all's point that we might not get, right, um, as, as an outcome of this legislative session, um, enough property tax uh, relief to 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 be effective, right? To be tangible and real. Uh, before we move on, do y'all have any additional thoughts on that? Well, I, I would just kind of piggyback on that, um, Jeremy, and just say, I mean, you're right that there needs to be more in property tax relief. 
less appropriations. And when you look at the total budget, the House was up 14.3% in appropriations to appropriations. The Senate's up 16.3%. An additional couple percent are billions of more dollars that's in the uh, five billion more dollars in the Senate's budget compared to the House budget. That could be going towards what? Property tax relief. And I hear some out there saying that we need to expand Medicaid, which is a terrible idea. Um, coverage doesn't equal quality access to quality care. Um, and the way to actually get people to have more income and more, more jobs and well-paid jobs is a more vibrant economy. And how can we do that? Property tax relief. <laughs> I think that would be a great way to boost economic growth in the state, get people off these safety net programs, which also benefits taxpayers as, as there's less government spending needed. And we could have be in a more vibrant situation to where you know, we, we shouldn't be trying to uh, backstop or subsidize any energy markets. We should have a level playing field to where the marketplace works and prices can allocate resources best. Just because the federal government and some of the state is, is backstopping or, or subsidizing wind and, wind and solar, that doesn't mean you need to go in and then subsidize natural gas plants. This just makes no sense to me. It's more industrial policy that should, that should end. Sure. Well, Tim, um, I'm not sure if we lost Vance there or, or, or not. Uh, he certainly broke up. Tim, did you have any additional thoughts? You know, I would say if they're if they're having such a problem passing property tax reform and we can't agree between the chambers, why don't we agree with the voters and and put ourselves on a path to elimination? You know, there's still a number of bills in the House, I believe one in the Senate, that would use surplus dollars to completely eliminate school MNO. Uh, and so if if we're gonna have this infighting, why don't we do what the people of Texas have demanded and put ourselves on a path to elimination and start pushing one of these other bills instead of trying to ram this square peg through the round hole? Just my opinion. Sure. Okay. Well, um, Tom, I see your request to speak. Give us one second, um, and we'll certainly um, oblige your question request. Um, I want to move on just for for our additional topic today, which is House Bill twenty one twenty seven. For those that are not familiar, this is of course a bill that we're watching at Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. It specifically deals with the preemption of local government, right? Kind of these burdensome regulations, this patchwork, if you will, of regulations that take place all across the state. They stifle business and ultimately prosperity that is up on Tuesday's house calendar. Um, so wanted to kind of pitch that to both y'all gentlemen, whoever wants to go first as to kind of your thoughts on its prospect going fo- prospects uh, going forward, whether or not it passes the house, uh, that sort of thing. So, so I'll, I'll jump in. So I, I think it has a very good chance of passing the house. I mean, honestly, you know, statistically anything that comes at house floor is going to pass. <laughs> I mean, it's very rare for anything not to pass. Uh, but this is a good bill. Uh, this this bill deals with a number uh, of different codes. And uh, and for those who don't know what preemption is, it's essentially the state telling local municipalities and governments that, hey, listen, we can't have this patchwork of regulations that are anti-business. And what this does is it references like agriculture, business, finance code, insurance code. Um, there's local government code, natural resources. And so <clears throat> there's a wide net this is casting. And I think it's it's one of the lessons we learned from the COVID pandemic is that local governments can absolutely be tyrannical uh, if left unchecked by the state. Uh, And this operates under the principle uh, that only the state is sovereign uh, and that the state created the cities. The state's also created the federal government. And so the city, no, does not have this quote unquote local control right to stifle business. It's the job of the state to step in and protect the market, protect businesses. So I think this is going to be an easy pass. uh, And I think that um, uh, we should see it even pass in the Senate. It's a good bill. We support it. And I hope it does. Anything to add on that, Vance? 
I will. I'm not sure if Vince is having technical issues or not, but uh, okay, we will uh, move on. Um, I guess to questions. I know Tom, you requested to speak. The only thing I would I would ask for folks. Oh, the only the only thing I would ask for folks is that. Uh, um, you keep it somewhat short and brief uh, for a question. We try to keep these episodes fairly short um, and sweet. So I will uh, approve you one second, Tom. Give me one second. All right, there you go, Tom. Good morning to you. Good morning. Yeah, I had a question um, about Senate Bill 1751 that's uh, going to regulate crypto mining here in Texas further. Um, but then I also I have just had a quick comment. The one bill that I saw from the PUC uh um, ERCOT regulation that's about to take place as far as natural gas subsidies was a, a 1% loan from the state of Texas to companies to buy generators that they have to pay back. So I don't know if I really consider that a subsidy. It is nice legislation that's friendly to the oil and gas industry, um, but it's also friendly to ERCOT. But as far as Senate Bill 1751 goes, it's, uh, it's designed to, uh, you know, kind of curtail crypto mining in texas and of course we have you know different uh, you know special interest groups like texas blockchain council that are fighting this uh but it looked like it exited the senate with a lot of support i think maybe one no vote and it's headed to the house uh and it basically makes crypto miners start paying taxes they don't get tax exemptions that other businesses get and so it's not really business friendly it's kind of unfair i think uh, perhaps uh, that they're being treated differently, but I didn't know if y'all had an opinion on this bill. And uh, if, if you did, I would love to hear it. So uh, I guess I would say this, give me, give me one second. Sorry. There's some technical dif- difficulties on this end. Um, I, I would say this. So I looking up Senate bill 751, we might have our, our numbers backed up because it looks like Senate bill 7, 1751 is authored by state center um, lowest coal course and deals with ERCOT. And so um, I'd say there, there might be an issue there. Um, we might be one or two off, but it, nevertheless, I would venture to guess, and I'll pitch this to Tim here in a second. Um, I don't believe we're, we're under any illusion that we should be regulating cryptocurrency uh, by any means. I don't think uh, the folks on this call are absolutely concerned about the federal version of cryptocurrency that what I think it's July, um, if you will, that that goes live. Um, and so, uh, you know, from a very 30,000 foot view before I pitch it to these folks, um, I think we would be opposed to such a thing just on its surface. I'll admit to you that I have not uh, read that bill as of yet. Um, on the ERCOT, um, ERCOT issue, I think, you know, we kind of mentioned it before, uh, but, you know, it, it's uh, we certainly think market forces should be involved in what has not historically been a market force led um, kind of power system here in Texas. Um, and we are concerned that by throwing uh, money at it, I'm not familiar with the 1% as you speak to, to be, to be candid with you, but uh, to throw money at it, um, you know, it's, is it putting a bandaid over an overall issue, which is maybe not efficiently using resources? So I say all that, um, you know, it's, that doesn't directly answer your question necessarily, uh, but I think that's kind of a, a, where we're, where we're at. Uh, Tim, I'll pitch it to you if you have any additional thoughts. Yeah, so it does have to do with ERCOT, but he's right. This is this is uh, you know at least a start of regulating uh, crypto blockchain, uh, and it has to do with you know the the electricity loads, right? I think it limits. Oh, I, it to I like, see that. I see that now. Uh, You're right. Yeah, like 10, 10 megawatts, um, and so uh, this this 
obviously I would think is a direct kind of uh, reaction to the air cut fiasco uh, a few years ago, and they're trying to protect our grid. And so the low hanging fruit and who they target are likely Bitcoin miners, right? Because Bitcoin miners are the ones that have all of those, you know, ant miners that just pull tons and tons of electricity. Some other crypto has gone, you know, proof of stake and doesn't, you know, use as much. And so this could be, um, you know, uh, the start of Texas kind of forcing a proof of stake concept that is not using as much electricity. Uh, but either way, you know, uh, I, I'm a fan of crypto. I'm a fan of Bitcoin specifically. Uh, I think it's the king of crypto for a reason. Uh, and so anything that's that's coming in to, to regulate this decentralized currency, uh, uh, and I'm glad you brought this to our attention, uh, Tom, because uh, it, it is concerning. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's like an overarching like, hey, we're, we're hardcore coming, but this is certainly the foot in the door. And I don't think good things are going to come after this is how government works. Right. They you know, they do a study and then they they do a couple small things and the next go around. They're going to come even harder and come even harder. And so you have to stop these things in their track. Uh, and we have to keep the free exchange of currency, digital currency uh, in the hands of the people and keep government's grubby hands off of them for sure. Vance, not sure if you can hear us, man. I know we're having some technical issues. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay, good, good. Yes, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, sorry. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I missed Tom's points earlier because um, I got kicked off somehow. But, but I mean, just as following along with the Tim and what you were saying, Jeremy. Um, yes, I mean the digital currency needs to be left to the markets, to, which means the people. Uh, there shouldn't be any regulating or things of that nature. There are some interesting things happening where maybe the gold bullion depository could 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 accept you know gold or digital currency and so maybe that could uh, also be then used to pay for property taxes like digital currency i think that has some interesting parts to it um i, I would be only i'd be concerned about then is that would the state then want to step in and do more regulation because then they're going to be more connected with it but i think that's something to look at um, i'm definitely against the central bank digital currency that the federal reserve and other countries are trying to do across the globe. I think that's a horrible idea. The Federal Reserve has already depreciated since it was put in 1913. Why would we want the government to be involved with digital currencies? Um, we, they shouldn't be. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that will, will not happen in, in Texas of getting their grubby hands and more trying to regulate what's going on with um, digital currencies. All righty. Well, uh, before we, we end today's episode, I wanted to remind folks, of course, that, you know, we, as we said, right, we're, I think it's day 98 out of 140. Um, I'll tell you, Tim and I spoke about this on our, our weekly uh, Taxpayer Talks podcast last week that, um, you know, yes, that means that, you know, there's 40, what, 42 days left in the legislative session. But the reality is, especially in the House side, these kind of self-imposed deadlines are coming quicker than most people expect. Uh, that first one being Monday, May 8th, which is exactly three weeks from now. Um, and so I, I, I want to let folks know that, you know, three weeks from now, what that deadline represents is it's the last day that House committees can vote out House bills or House joint resolutions uh, to get to the floor in time. And so, you know, if you're an activist or someone listening to this that's interested or following uh, specific legislation and that legislation has not got a hearing yet, um, you know, that it needs to get a hearing in the next three weeks for it to kind of still be uh, viable, if you will, uh, and make it through the legislative process, at least in the House side. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that that was on folks' radar. Of course, the House and Senate convene at 11 a.m. today. Um, I imagine you can expect that uh, here in the uh, over the next few weeks, we'll really start to see them convening uh, five days out of the week as opposed to the four um, and for longer and longer as those calendars get longer. And so that's a good reminder uh, to folks to 
a best way to stay kind of up to date with legislation moving through the process that could impact your wallet. Uh, we put out vote notices for every calendar day. Um, uh, we did, of course, one for uh, today as well. You can stay tuned to that if you're not already uh, by subscribing on our website, texastaxpayers.com slash subscribe. You can specifically subscribe just for the vote notices if you like. And of course, we use those vote notices at the end of the legislative session uh, to compile our tech our, our fiscal responsibility index. So um, unless y'all gentlemen have anything else, we'll go ahead and wrap up this week's episode. Make sure to join us again next, next week at 9 a.m. for another episode of the week ahead. Thanks so much.